Welcome to Knowledgeable Aging. I'm your host, Jason Kotar. Joining us today to talk about Let's Keep Your Side Gig Legal is Anu Murthy. While Anu is primarily a healthcare attorney advising physicians, dentists, and other healthcare providers, she has her own side hustle in providing brand protection services around trademarks and copyrights to both her healthcare clients and to small businesses and entrepreneurs around the country. Um, I would like to clarify, even though Anu is an attorney, nothing she is saying today should be construed as legal advice. How are you doing today, Anu? I'm good, Jason. Thank you very much for having me on this morning. Great. Well, thank you so much. Looking forward to our conversation. So let's go ahead and get right started. Uh, get started. Uh, keeping your let's keep your side gig legal. Since the pandemic has started, there's been quite an uptick in the formation of side gigs, side businesses, side hustles, whatever you want to call them. And a lot of this is in um, in, as a result of people being furloughed or their jobs being eliminated, et cetera, and they're trying to find other sources of income to um, you know, keep, their, keep a roof over their heads, et cetera, et cetera. Prior to the pandemic, side gigs were typically just a, you know, to diversify um, people's uh, you know, income streams, et cetera, becoming Uber drivers, DoorDash, things like that. But since the pandemic, the the um, incidence and the um, formation of side gigs and side hustles has just increased dramatically. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are at home and they're exploring some of their uh, creative side. They've got time because they are working from home. They don't have the long, long commutes, et cetera. They're not socializing. And so um, some of the ideas they may have had uh, uh, you know, fomenting in their minds for the past uh, few years, few decades are coming to the forefront and, and people are saying, hey, you know what, maybe I can um, create a side hustle. And that's particularly true um, among uh, folks that are, you know, close to retirement. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of that because um, they're wondering whether their, their jobs will be el um, eliminated. They have to take early retirement and they're thinking, I'm not ready to completely retire yet, I still want something to do. And so they're looking at uh, monetizing perhaps their hobbies or other services. And uh, in this slide, I mean, you can see, so some of the things that people are doing are um, podcasting, um, they're, uh, they're selling their art. I have several friends who have uh, are now acclaimed artists that started in their in their 60s selling their art, uh, mu music gigs, um, professional shopping, designing clothes, et cetera, et cetera. So there's a lot of different side gigs and side hustles that are out there that can be monetized and people are really looking into um, doing that now. But you know, with this extra stream of income and uh, potentially uh, you know, enough income to re either replace a full-time job or um, you know, uh, add to a full-time job, there are some pitfalls and some, some things that I want people to be um, aware of before they turn their hobby into a business. So next slide, please. Okay, so you have that idea, you have that talent, you have that hobby, and you want to turn it into a business. So what do you do first? Well, the first thing that you wanna do is sit down with a spreadsheet and you wanna create a business plan. Now business plans, um, can you can find templates all over the internet. Um, you know, if you have an Excel program on your 
computer, you can certainly find uh, business plan templates um, on there. And I think that's really important because you want to see if the expenses that you're going to incur to start and maintain the business, are you going to be able to um, you know, have a return on your investment? And there's a lot of different things that uh, go into starting a business, as we know. Uh, you and I are both uh, entrepreneurs and, and small business owners. Um, and so be really truthful and honest and, and put down everything that, that you're going to need. And you may not even know some of the expenses that you're going to incur because you may think, hey, I've got, you know, I've got my voice and I can sing and I can monetize that. Or I can, you know, there's, there's programs to podcast and they're typically, you know, very low cost. But there's a lot of other issues around the legal aspects and tax aspects of a small business that I want people to be aware of. And we're going to go through some of those this morning so that you really know what you're getting into. So you created your business plan. Um, what you need to do is uh, perhaps talk to an accountant and an attorney to go over your uh, business plan and the Small Business Administration in your local um, city has a wealth of resources and people that can help you look at your business plan, evaluate it, talk about, uh, you know, metrics that you can use for growth etc cetera, etc cetera. and I would I would highly recommend that you know um, if this is just a, a a hobby that you're monetizing right now and you're not thinking about this as a as a primary source of income in which case I would you know want you to hire an accountant to do this but if you are just really looking at this as a as a side gig go to the Small Business Administration. They, they have a lot of information. Unfortunately, they can't do face-to-face -face meetings right now because of the pandemic, but they can do Zoom calls. You can send them information and they can really help you out quite a bit. And you may decide that you you know don't want to do the, uh, the side hustle at this point. But if you do, and next slide, please, you're likely going to have to form some kind of a legal entity. And that could be um, an LLC. That's typically the type of entity that you want to to um, form. Now, people are going to ask me, well, you know, can't I just use, uh, you know, be a sole proprietor? I don't have any partners or employees. And that's fine as well. Um, maybe for your first year, um, and please remember, I'm not a, I'm not an accountant. For your first year, if you want to just use your Schedule C on your tax return to you know, put down your um, in the income that you made and then um, be able to deduct all the business startup expenses. You may find in, in consultation with your uh, tax, uh, tax accountant that that's, that's enough at that point. However, as you grow, one of the things that uh, will come with growth is also increased liability. And one of the things that uh, forming an LLC, that's a limited liability corporation, that's exactly what that means. I'm sorry, limited liability company. That's what that means. It limits your liability. It limits your exposure to lawsuits from um, customers, vendors, et cetera, et cetera. So it doesn't completely protect you. We'll talk a little bit about um, you know, adding multiple layers of protection. but if you're going to take this this side hustle and you want to monetize it and you want to grow it it's likely that you will need to form an llc in your state 
And I say in your state because one of the questions that um, I have quite often is that I'm working from home and I'm moving around. I'm in Florida. I'm in New York, et cetera, et cetera. Where do I form my LLC? And um, so, again, not legal advice, but one of the, the common tactics and strategies that uh, that small business owners are using now is to um, form an LLC in Nevada. Um, there, there are very liberal um, regulations and uh, requirements in, in Nevada. So if you are a um, digital nomad and are moving around and um, maybe Nevada is the place for you to form your LLC and you could even hire a registered agent to um, you know to file on your behalf there and monitor the LLC and it, it's fairly inexpensive um, but again please do consult with uh, with an attorney and an accountant before you before you do that next slide please so Another thing that people run into is uh, they haven't obtained the necessary permissions, especially if they're going to be making something. For example, if they are making jams and they're in their kitchen or in their basement, or if they are um, creating, you know, other types of goods that uh, out of their home, it's a good idea to check first with uh, any homeowners associations that you may belong to. If, if you're in a condo, if you're um, or in a neighborhood that has a homeowners association, make sure that it's okay to run your business, whatever type of business it is, even if it's just podcasting. I mean, and you think, well, that's not really going to bother anybody. Um, but there are very strict uh, uh, requirements and and uh, things in your HOA rules that you don't want to run afoul of um, so please do uh, check into that uh, a lot of times it's another neighbor that's gonna turn you in for you know selling your uh, you know your jam or pasta saucer or whatever it is uh, out of your um, home so make sure you get that and then make sure also that you look into other business line licenses you may need um, at the state and local level um, as well, especially if they're um, food related. Um, it's very important to to make sure that you know you're in compliance with all those uh, requirements um, because you can get shut down pretty pretty quickly. So next slide, please. Okay, so the other thing you want to do, you know, you 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 have an entity, you have a business plan, you think you're going to make a return on your investment, you've gotten all the the uh, necessary license and permits to make sure that you can run your business uh, uh, appropriately and in compliance. Well, now you probably have some vendors that you're going to be working with. Um, someone may be creating a website for you. Uh, you may have a, a delivery service that you're contracting with. Um, there's just a lot of different vendors that could come into to play with uh, a side hustle. So make sure that you have some agreements that have been created, reviewed by an attorney, and that you feel comfortable with. Um, you also may have customer agreements, and by that I mean it's not necessarily when you're just selling a product to a customer, but if you're offering services, um, for example, coaching services or music lessons or any type of uh, sort of intangible things that you want to make sure that 
the customer and you agree on time, place, frequency, the um, the cost of the services, etc. Um, so make sure you 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 know look at those um, working. On a handshake, a lot of people think, well, it's just a side gig, it's just a side hustle. I don't really need all this legal stuff, but it exposes you to liability. I mean, think about if you have, um, you know, people coming into your home to uh, learn how to cook, or and there's an accident, or coming into, uh, you know, learn how to play music, or you're traveling to someone's house to learn how to play music, I mean, to teach music, etc. Uh, accidents happen. Um, People slip and fall. I mean, there's all kinds of things that, uh, uh, you know, or someone buys a coaching package of coaching services um, from you and uh, one or other of the parties are not able to perform the whole contract. What happens? Is there is there, you know, a refund that's uh, or a credit or, you know, just all those things are really important to make sure you address in these type of vendor and customer agreements. And the other thing, you know, that I want to point out, we'll talk a little bit about intellectual property later. Later. But if you are hiring somebody to create content, to create a website, to print brochures, um, design logos, who owns that intellectual property? You want to make sure that you as the creator, you as the business owner, have the rights to that intellectual property. Uh, and by that, I mean the, the, the copyright, the trademarks, the logos, the patents, all of those things, because those are your assets. And those are assets that you're going to monetize. And let's just say that, you know, you become this, your business grows and you are ready to, to sell your company of uh, grandma's jellies to, you know, smuckers or somebody else. Um, they're going to want to buy your logo and your trademark, et cetera, et cetera. So you need to be um, able to tell them that you are the um, the the owner of record of those uh, monetizable assets. Next slide, please. Okay. Well, so this comes to um, this part of the uh, of the discussion. So your brand is really important. Um, there are so many people out there selling jelly or uh, doing business coaching or or you know whatever your side hustle happens to be. And if you want to differentiate yourself, um, you need to worry and think about your brand and, and how you're going to own it and how you're going to monetize it. And so intellectual property consists of uh, three different um, three different types. And um, the one that I deal with the most um, are trademarks. And, and trademarks um, are the logo, the name, um, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that is something that you can get federal trademark protection for. And some people will ask, well, I'm only, you know, I'm, uh, can I just get registered with my, with my state and uh, leave it at that and just put a, uh, um, you see above the TM uh, sign. And what that TM sign, you, you, can, you can put that in and it gives you some what we call common law rights to your intellectual property. But um, the, the fact of the matter is that unless you have a federal trademark, and that's where you have the little R in the circle um, through the um, U.S. Uh, uh, Patent and Trademark um, Office, you're not going to get the full protection and the full ownership to your brand. And why is that a problem? Well, a couple of years ago, I had a client who um, 
decided to form a uh, real estate company and they wanted to use the name of a famous very expensive watch that begins with an r and ends with an x as the name of their company so it was r blank holdings and i you know i told him like i don't think that's going to work uh and this was like 15 years ago i don't think that's going to work i know it's 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 real estate but this you know this could be an issue um and about five years later he, he and his wife did get a cease and desist letter um from that company and even though that their real estate was nothing about watches it was nothing about luxury goods it literally was was his you know commercial property that he you know put put into this uh, limited liability company uh, we had to change the name and um, that was inexpensive because the my client had not monetized that name in any way and it was just easy to to change the name he just liked those watches and he thought it was kind of paying homage to it but it's it's not so um but now if you have a side hustle and you're making money and you're selling things across state lines which which we do there are very few you know companies now that i i feel are limited to one state most people who are doing side hustles if they're selling anything um you know they're going to do it across state lines now services are a little bit different we talked about for example uh um you know music lessons or something like that if that if it is truly truly local and and you're not doing anything with any other state um you you might be able to get away with just your common law state common law trademark rights but um, I still recommend that uh, you know you get an attorney to do a a full what we call a clearance search, and that is doing a search um, across many many different platforms and databases. It's pretty complicated. Um, a trademark uh, opinion letter can be you know 50 60 pages long, and what that does it assesses and presents you with the risk of the name that you've chosen, whether it will, whether, you know, you might be exposed to litigation, whether, whether um, and also whether or not the trademark office is going to um, grant you the trademark in, in the first place, because the primary concern that the trademark office has is to protect the consumer. So if you say, if you call your, your jam making company, you know, the best jams, they, <laughs> probably will say no because that's deceptive I mean that's that's not you know or if you use um, things that are disparaging um, to other companies or if you use words that could be um, uh, um, you know offensive um, there's a lot of things that uh, the trademark uh, examiners look at before they grant you this because again it's the pr protecting the consumer but you know from my perspective as an attorney it also protects you as my client to have this trademark that um, that you know will will um, be yours to monetize and and even you know leave uh, as an asset to your to your heirs. So um, please do think about protecting your brand as much as you can. The other piece of um, intellectual property that I don't work with, but I work with attorneys who do, are patents. So. Um, patents have to do with, uh, with 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 products, with the way that they're designed, the way that they are chemically created, etc. So, uh, patent attorneys um, have to have a um, scientific background in order to be able to um, do patent prosecution. Um, so that is something that you want to look at if you have a 
in, an invention or uh, a product uh, that involves some type of a trade secret recipe like uh, Coca-Cola or something like that, you really want to be able to avail yourself of, of really just the best patent counsel to protect your invention. I mean, you may have invented a new type of, uh, I don't know, lawnmower or whatever it is. Those mechanical things that differentiate you from other products that are out there need to be protected. So that's um, um, another part of um, intellectual property you want to protect. Um, copyright is uh, is is just really what uh, you know the creative things that in your on your website, your artwork, music, etc., things like that. Um, and a lot of copyright uh, protection is is common law. Um, but you can also get copyright registration, which is uh, actually not very uh, not very complicated, and it, it's something that a lot of people do um, on their own um, through the um, uh, through the uh, U.S. Uh, Patent and Trademark Office. So you know, if you want to Google that, it's not a difficult process. So you don't typically need an attorney to 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 uh, get copyright. Right. However, if someone is uh, is stealing your ideas and, you know, then you do want to get an attorney involved. And again, it would be something akin to a cease and desist letter that would be sent. So next slide, please. Oh, I think we have come to the end of our slides. And so um, I don't know if you have any questions. questions. Absolutely. Okay. Really good. Anu. Um, Couple questions have come in. Do I need insurance for my side gig? You may. So the the other thing that I would do is check with your if you're working out of the home, um, talk to your homeowners um, insurance carrier and let them know you're starting a side business and you're going to be working out of the home or you know creating things in the home, etc. And so you you may need um, you know they'll be able to better. Um, advise you. Sometimes having an umbrella policy will be the way to go. Um, but again, if you have any type of, uh, of, of goods that you are making, um, services that you're providing, it is good to have insurance. Yes. Somebody else asked, um, I am uh, still employed or furloughed from the current job that I have. Um, can I have a side gig? Um, it depends. Um, I know that attorneys always say it depends, but um, if you have a an employment contract or an employment agreement, um, I would look at that first before um, doing anything. Um, for example, m most of my clients who are physicians and dentists actually have clauses in their contracts that prohibit them from um, entering into any type of um, uh, other business um, entities that could be uh, business services that could be um, either in competition or take them away from their primary, um, you know, full-time occupation. So it's really good to to check. Typically, though, um, it's it shouldn't be a problem, um, especially if you're furloughed. I mean, you're trying to uh, you know get some income. It it. Never hurts though, and it's always advisable to check with your current employer uh, to see what their thoughts are. Um, you know, I think as an from an employer perspective, 
um, I would just be worried that you would be setting something up that's you know competitive with um, with with my business, um, etc. Um, and if you are not furloughed, you're still working and trying to do a side gig. I, I'd wonder, well, you know, is, is my employee now you know do you know, making jam while he's supposed to be on a conference call? So it's things like that 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 uh, come up. Um, also, look at if you have any non-compete clauses in your uh, employment agreement, um, you know, especially if you're going to do something that's um, s substantially similar to what your, you know, your nine to five job is. I want to kind of dive in a little bit to the trademark or patent process. So what if you've got something that says, look, I know I've got this wonderful idea and I don't want to wait. I've been told or I read on Google or wherever that says, you know, the trademark process takes X or the, or the patent X takes Y, but I want to get my business going. What do they do? Well, um, you know, we can certainly, as attorneys, we can certainly do the the um, trademark clearance search, which takes, you know, maybe a week or two, just depending on on you know the the um, work schedule of the attorney, and that at the very least will give you a sense of what risks are um, are out there in terms of substantially similar trademarks and brands and also the likelihood that the trademark office is going to grant you um, a trademark it does take six eight months to get that official trademark but that doesn't mean you can't continue if your attorney has given you um, you know main, mostly a, a green light in you know to proceed with this brand um, then there's no reason why you couldn't start your business um, and you could use that TM uh, rather than the the circle uh, with the R. The circle with the R is only for federally registered trademarks, and so the TM at least gives notice to um, your you know competitors, um, your customers that a trademark application um, is in is in process. So I want to I want to take a step back anew. So. I've got this fabulous idea for my business, besides for starting with SBA or whatever, how early on should I be reaching out to to an attorney like yourself? Well, I'm gonna be self-serving and say as as you know, as soon as possible. But um, you know, most people are starting starting side hustles with uh, with a with a small budget. So um, I would absolutely encourage you to use free resources. Um, and the SBA is particularly good because they're a, they're a government organization. They're, they're not trying to sell anything to you. They're, they're you know, agnostic um, about your services. You know, they're hoping that you're going to succeed because it's good for the community. But I would really start with, with free resources before you, um, you know, hire an accountant or a consultant or an attorney. Um, start there first, but don't don't limit yourself to um, you know stopping there as well because a lot of the information that the SBA is going to give you is going to be generic they're not going to give you specific okay you should be an LLC or you should uh, you know elect to do this with your taxes you still are going to need you know more specific um, personalized advice so you mentioned a new once again you're not telling people what they should do, the value of an LLC. So if somebody's starting out a business, 
isn't deciding whether to do a partnership or a corporation or an LLC, isn't that really kind of, if you do one thing right, isn't that kind of like the thing you need to do right? Absolutely it is. And um, again, you know, a lot of people do things as a sole proprietorship and do that Schedule C election on their taxes. And um, again, you know, what that, what that doesn't do is protect you um, from exposure to liability and lawsuits. So um, I really think if you, if you have this great idea and you have this, this talent that you want to put out there, um, protect it protect it, you know, f uh, find out from your attorney what is the best um, business entity that you need to be in to protect your, um, you know, all the things that you that you do and create. In, in addition to that, of course, is that other layer of, you know, business um, umbrella policy, business interruption insurance. There's all kinds of insurance products that are, that are out there that, um, you know, you want to talk to your insurance agent about adding, and they could just add an incremental annual cost, but they can give you so much peace of mind later on down the road. Yeah, so is it safe to say, Anu, when I think, I mean, listening to you talk, it's almost like your attorney, as your business evolves, it should almost be like your doctor. It's an ongoing relationship. So I, mean, I imagine, once again, uh, I can't clarify this, but I imagine that you probably have clients that you've been working with for so long because they go to you for this advice as their business is evolving. Um, you need to have that attorney, don't you? Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I, I, I've been in, um, in, in the legal profession for 25, 26 years, and I have clients um, that I've had for almost as long. And wow. it is working with people in, you know, um, through through the life cycle of their professional lives. Um, and some of the young physicians and dentists that I worked on their first employment contracts with, you know, 15, 20 years ago, now are either thinking about, uh, you know, uh, retirement and side hustles, or they're just going into so many different areas, um, um, such as, you know, podcasting or coaching or, you know, things like that or telehealth and they, they, they need help. But, but yeah, I think that it's good to, um, to have a board of advisors, you know, large companies have a board, right. With experts on them to help with strategy and growth. And, um, if you can invest in a board of advisors with, um, you know, a darn good accountant who's going to, who's going to, keep you out of trouble, but um, allow you to maximize uh, your, you know, your um, compensation, your revenues, et cetera, uh, within, the, uh, within the regulations of the law, and a darn good attorney who is available to you to, um, you know, help with any, you know, uh, uh, any other growth and, you know, uh, pr protection issues, et cetera. Um, I think you've got a really good start there. Another person you might want to include on your board of advisors that you don't have to pay um, upfront is a is a good banker. And, you know, I have found mm -hmm. that um, that small businesses, you know, often, you know, they may have a, a cash crunch, and to be able to have a line of credit that's available. And let's face it, right now, interest rates are so low. This is a really good time to get, um, again, not, not legal advice, but if you are thinking, if you need a line of credit to, to sustain your, your business, um, this is, you know, it's, it's good to have a banker um, within your um, board of advisors. Um, so, um, uh, yes, I, I, I think that it's, it's, it's nice to have those people on your speed dial that you can reach out to as problems um, crop up. Very good. Well, I know. How can people find you? 
<laughs> they can find me um, on LinkedIn at Anu uh, Murthy. I'm a healthcare attorney and consultant, and they can find me at my email, which is anuesq at yahoo.com. And I'm happy to um, to chat uh, with, it, with anybody who is looking to um, start a side gig or they already have one and they need some, you know, they have some questions about uh, brand protection or entity formation. I'm happy to talk to them and, and help them in their new ventures. I'm, I'm excited. I'm a, I'm, th this is kind of a side gig for me as well. As I mentioned, I'm a healthcare attorney primarily, um, but I, boy, am I really am enjoying uh, brand protection, just working with, with creative people um, is, is a lot of fun. Well, excellent. I know. Um, so for those that were joining us today for the, the live webinar, you can find, we put all of our webinars onto YouTube. Go onto YouTube, type in Knowledgeable Aging. Uh, we encourage you to subscribe. We update the, the YouTube page multiple times a week. Uh, this will also be converted to a podcast. You can find us on uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Tunes, et cetera. Till next time, I'm your host, Jason Kotar, and this is Knowledgeable Aging. <laughs>